Brenna, I'm down here. I'm so tiny. What happened? I, I got Ant-Man. I got Ant-Man and now I'm a tiny boy. Oh. I'm inside. I'm in a coffee mug. Help. Oh. Uh, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Just, I don't, do the intro, I'll figure it out. Uh, uh, it's fun fiction? Welcome to Fun Fiction, ladies and gentlemen, the podcast about movies and the people who write about mo- We really need, like, a good way to intro this show. Yeah. <laughs> Someone needs to write us a d- description or yeah. something. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Scotty Moore. And I'm the other host, Brenna Clark. So, Bren Bren, I feel like I'm get- I'm going to be a little bit... My memory of this movie, we're talking about Ant-Man and also the Wasp today. So here's where my mistake happened. Oh no. I went to an AMC... That, and you got drunk. That <laughs> shut up. I didn't get I got tipsy. You got lit. I well to be fair, I was getting tipsy in honor of Ant-Man because That's not No, don't use Ant-Man as an excuse. No, because they had official Ant-Man themed drinks and so <gasps> I was like I have to get one. So I got one called the Stinger cuz the Wasp is the best. You know, that's also Cassie Lang's um, alter ego when she becomes a superhero. Oh, yeah. So, well, so wait, that means... Well, so wait, now there's three wasps we have to t- take care of. There's a bunch of wasps. There's Mama... Oh, dude, I did like some... Hold on, let me go to the Wikipedia. Because fucking... I was going to wait till later to talk about this, but the wasp has like the coolest kind of superpowers of all time elaborate so under powers and abilities they in all honesty they could just kind of write ant-man but with guns and and wings but they decided to actually explain it all but i like van dyne displays several non-superhuman abilities that garner her special fame and attention foremost of which is her fashion sense in every of her new appearance of her early appearances, she sports a new costume designed and manufactured on her own as she is a gifted fashion designer. And also she's a skilled amateur screenwriter. What? <laughs> yes, I did not know that. And she was apparently able to guess like a lot of cool shit. Like she figured out like the relationship between Scarlet Witch and Vision as a result of the infused personality of Wonder Man. Don't know what that means. And she guesses that Iron Man is Tony Stark, so she's really dope. She is dope. I mean, definitely dope. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, okay, hold on. Here are all the other wasps. Uh, Hank Pym became the wasp at one point. I guess just forgetting that he already had a superhero alter ego. You can't have too many of those, to be honest. Yeah, and then also, well, this is all about uh, mama, mama, mama wasp, not baby wasp. Mama wasps. Uh, also known as what was her Michelle Pfeiffer, isn't it in the movie? Yeah. Yes. Oh God, my Pfeiffer! That Pfeiffer! I got really excited about her. She wasp was probably my second favorite character in this movie. Like. The Wasp or Mama Wasp? 
the wasp, not Mama yes. Wasp. I did enjoy Mama Wasp, but she was probably my second favorite. Would you like to guess my first? Uh, Ant Man. No. Uh. <laughs> well, well, hold on. Other than that character Ti played, because I just love the fact that fucking Ti is in a superhero movie for like no reason. What do you mean? He's a great um backup. Well, I mean, they asked him t- to go for this role, and they were like, well, what can you bring to the table? And he's like, I can bring whatever you like. And they are like, all right, we're going to get you on, T.I. Solid. Um, But no, Ghost, dude. Oh, I, yes, Ghost. I, I needed so much more Ghost in this movie. She was amazing. Well, hopefully we'll get more of her later, because it seems as though she has joined the team by the looks of the ex- or after scene credit. Well, hold on. After credit scene? Brenna, we need to wait on that after credit scene. because I know. We'll wait. But I'm just saying. (laughs) Well, here's the problem with Ghost joining the team. It's the fact that she's cured of her power, which means she's just a British chick now. She has no powers. Well, you don't have to have powers to be a superhero. She could just kick some ass and throw some punches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... Well, no, one of the things I really liked about Ghost is, like, I love a good hypocritical moment from a villain, and I love the fact that Ghost is like, fucking S.H.I.E.L.D., they made me, they used me, they used me as a weapon, and I can't, I'll never forgive them for that. Anyways, we want to use your wife for her powers. Yeah, well... Mm. It it was either that or die, so... Yeah, yeah. Did you uh, scream when fucking Morpheus turned on them? I I was very upset. I, I, I almost screamed out, Morpheus, you motherfucker, in the audience. And I was like, oh, wait, there's a child right next to me. Yeah, a few children. I, I will say, the most exciting thing he said during that was when he... Re- and I think it might have been in the trailers as well, where he revealed that he was Goliath. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, Goliath, do you know what that means? And, like, Emily's staring at me like, no, I don't care. I'm trying Uh, to watch this movie. Please (laughs) shut up. Uh Uh, Well, no, that was not the only moment. And this is is breaking from the movie a little bit. The trailer beforehand for uh, the second Creed movie where they revealed that he's fighting Ivan Drago's kid. I just started screaming and she's staring like, what are you talking about? I'm like, come on. I must break you. She's like, oh, okay, you have fun, buddy. Oh, you always yeah. get different trailers than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I'm happy. This, I, I just realized, yeah, this movie finally broke the streak of for a solid probably 10 movies in a row, I got a trailer for Mission Impossible Fallout to a point where I refused to see that movie just off principle. Yeah, it's probably a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, man. So what what was your favorite coming out of it, other than how adorable Cassie is? Yeah, I mean, oh my god, I I I was torn between wanting to be Cassie and like wanting to adopt her because mm-hmm. I want Paul Rudd to be my dad, but also my daddy. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Dude, I this, love Paul Rudd. The scene where he's got Cassie and they're going through like the fake ant tunnel. Yes, the playground. Oh. Oh, it, it was, was so best. precious. It was my. Fa- it was probably my favorite thing, and um, and then I don't think Ant Man was in the rest of the movie because this, as much as the Ant Man is in the title, 
this was not Ant-Man's movie. No, I think, I mean, it, it definitely showcased the powerhouse that is Wasp, and I enjoyed mm-hmm. that. Oh, I thought you were going to say the powerhouse that is Michael Douglas is Hank Pym. Well, you know. No, but what about that young age makeup, dude? Or like CGI, CGI oh, yeah, whatever dude. it was. Holy that, crap. No, that was on par with in Guardians Volume 2 where they made they made young Kurt Russell again. Yes. I was like, yes. No, see, my favorite thing about Hank Pym is the fact that, if you, like in the comics, he's essentially just Tony Stark with a different vibe. And so in yeah. this one, they were like, well, we can't just have it be another Tony. Let's just make him an old curmudgeonly man. And I was like, I'm down with that. I can always party with the curmudgeon. Party with the curmudgeons. Um, Now, let me ask you, did you get the same vibes that I did when it was showing Paul Rudd in the beginning? Or I'm sorry, Scott in the beginning, like just kind of what he did like around his house. Did you get 40 year old virgin vibes from that? Because I got a lot of 40 year old virgin vibes from that. I don't know. I was mostly preoccupied with his card trick prowess and wanting to ask you if you knew how to throw up cards because if not yes, I, you need to learn no i do i know okay, everything good. he did i knew how to do <laughs> also his name is scott and he does magic and your name is scotty and you do magic are you ant-man um i can neither confirm nor deny that i'm shrinking to avoid the question <laughs> um also anytime he was called scotty I got a few glances of like, that's your name. And I'm like, Fuck, I know. I would have done the same thing. I would have been like, <laughs> that's you. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, I will say, one. I did have a few questions coming out of this. Did, what are your questions? Well, the reason why they're like, I want to go rescue my wife is because allegedly Scott figured a way out of the quantum realm. Yeah. I don't. Like, they're like, he discovered it. I'm like, I don't think he discovered it. I think he just... It was an accident. It was straight up an accident. And they're like, ah, that's enough to go off of. Yeah, well, you, it's something. You, I mean, it's more than they had previously, so I guess, you know. It, it can well, kind of happen. Um, also, speaking of the quantum realm, the fuck is Janet's power now? Because apparently oh. she's Marvel Jesus. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, some kind of kind of healing nonsense, and I don't know. Quantum baby moving power. I don't know. I. Uh, one of my questions is: Well, me and Garen were talking about it, and he was the one that actually said, "Like, you know, with all the shrinking of that building and everything, how did all of their stuff not get like destroyed?" Yeah, no, straight up. That's that's a very good point. Like, very much so. Um, now, my question, I, this is just all these problems that we had through this movie, even though I'm sure we both enjoyed it a lot. Oh, I loved it. Um, the villain that's not Ghost, Sonny, I guess is his name? I think Southern, so. Southern, simple small town lawyer. Also I love that not- actor. I love the actor, but what I don't love is the fact that he was essentially playing a shitty version of that one guy in Logan. Like, the minute he started doing the southern accent, I was like, does he have one naturally, or is he just being an I asshole? Think, I think he, 
I think he does. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure either he gets typecast or he does have one and he has it in all the films that he's in. Man, I just, it made me upset. I didn't like it. Like, because you've seen Logan, haven't you? Yes. Yeah, you know Homeboy with like the cool round glasses and the southern accent is just a huge shithead. Yeah, I loved that dude. Sonny is like the anti that dude. I was like, no, dude, you're just copying a much better thing. Meanwhile, I'm going to Google and finding out if this guy is Southern and I'm just an asshole. I'm almost certain that he is. And if I'm not, I'm going to feel real dumb. Um, Well, let's. Oh, my God. The picture. Brenna. What? Brenna. One of us is dumb and I don't know which one it is. Brenna. It's me. (laughs) No, it's worse. Born and raised. Well, not Alabama. raised. Bor- Birmingham, Alabama. Yep, that makes sense. That tracks. <laughs> that, that tracks. Also, if you could, like, just go to Walt. His name is Walton Goggins. I know what go his to- name is. I follow him on his- the Instagram. <laughs> go to his Wikipedia. He has the best picture for a Wikipedia of all time. Hold on. I am pulling. He's got, Anna. like. He's got like Pharrell's hat on and oh. this big fuck off smile. Oh, yeah, that's my boy. <laughs> He's just like, hey, yo. Well, <laughs> man, I'm you do an what asshole. you know, I guess. You do what you know, and it's a Southern Alabama accent. Lord. Um, also, I just want to say, like, I got the same vibe from this movie that I got with the last Ant-Man, which is it's not, it's probably the least heavy film series in the Marvel universe. I sincerely enjoy that. And that may be why I love these films so much because it doesn't make me want to like just cry and go to sleep at the end of it. See, I feel like there's two realms. There's the, there's Ant-Man on one end and then there's like, infinity war on the other end and if you get like in the middle you get the iron mans and guardians of the galaxies and that's Mm -hmm. really where i like to rest but yeah this is for good night at the theater ant-man is the way to go there were so Um, many jokes i i I wrote down a lot of them (laughs) yeah just wrote down we're just gonna perform this whole movie for you guys listen i have I, I don't know if you know this about me, but I have the world's worst memory. So yeah. when something happens that I know I'm going to want to talk about with you, yeah. I sit there and I think like at the beginning when he was in the lasers and he said, I got lazed. I thought that was so funny. And I just kept repeating to myself, I got lazed. I got lazed. I got lazed. I got lazed. Oh, oh thank God. I thought you meant you were like in the theater with a journal like writing down in your journal all the best jokes no i just repeat things to myself until i remember them Mm -hmm. but yeah um i feel like this movie was marvel being like well we just did infinity war here's a nice palate cleanser so you can feel good about what we've done to you exactly until the fucking end credit scene i was shook shooketh even which by the way Emily went to the bathroom during the end credits scene, what? and I, I almost like, I was like, no, 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 we're, we're not married, but we're getting a divorce right now over <laughs> this. What the fuck? Because I remember him getting shrunk and going to the quantum realm, and the minute I heard that, 
guys and then yes, the static no yeah well no no with me i thought oh cool they got dusted and so now after getting dusted they're gonna like they're gonna do the static and end the scene no <laughs> there's something about showing their dust floating in the wind that yeah. makes it a lot more fucked up it's so bad and the fact that they just got her hope's mom back and for them to just die well it's all right it's all right hope's not gonna be too upset well, i know but i, I Honestly, I felt kind of bad because I was more worried about how is Ant-Man going to get out of the quantum zone because nobody knows he's in there. Well, firstly, I just came up with a little theory, a movie theory. Was Ant-Man, did Ant-Man not get turned into particles because he was part of the 50% that survived? Or was he not turned into particles because he was already a particle he was so tiny Ooh, that's a that's a brain buster right there yeah that's one of those like mysteries that really don't matter that much in the long run but it's fun to think about um do you know sorry <laughs> do you know what's oh, completely yo, go... messed up is that yeah. garen knew that was going to happen. Like, he told me a couple days before, he was like, I think this is what the end credit scene is going to be, and it was. Fuck you. Damn it. That sucks. That's the worst. How, how in-depth did he get? Was he well, just like, I think... He's, he said that either... I can't remember exactly, but he was saying that, I mean, they were going to disappear, but he wasn't sure if it was going to be all three of them or if it would be, like, just... Hope's mom and Hank or what, but he, yeah, I was just like, you need to stop talking because these things that you're saying <laughs> are coming true. I'm not dealing with it. I call, I called the, uh, the Deadpool one after credit scene. I remember leaning over and just being like, I bet he's just going to do the shit from Ferris Bueller. And then he walks on screen in the robe and I went, Oh damn it. <laughs> I shouldn't have ruined that. Is it technically spoiling if you don't know you're spoiling it? I don't think so. I think it's fair game to speculate. Mm -hmm. And then if you're right, well, sorry. Yeah. Also, can I just say, I love the concept that assumedly the only, the only four people who know how to use the pen particle stuff are, Three of them have gone, and then one of them is a tiny, tiny man. Yeah. I... Um. Oh, shit, shit. Oh, man, I didn't write this down, and we're about to be out of this segment, but the scene with tiny Ant-Man at the school? Oh, my God, for... Scotty. That was my favorite part in the whole movie. Well, the ending when he got in the car, and Hank was like, do you want a juice box and string cheese? And then <laughs> Scott's like, do you really have that? I felt it. I <laughs> yeah. felt it in my soul. Damn it. Do you really have that? Um, but no, what I was trying to bring up before I got interrupted by my own thought about f how funny a fucking tiny Paul Rudd Him is. running down the hallway like some little, I don't know, five-year-old yes. child. I would, I, if you ever told me like Ant-Man versus Deadpool, which would have the funniest joke? I would all automatically always say Deadpool, but I think between Deadpool 2's baby legs <laughs> and then this movie's baby legs, Ant-Man won the baby yes. leg competition. Well, we didn't have uh, to see <laughs> Ant-Man's baby penis, so that might have helped, too. Yeah, um, but no, I'm going to get back on track, Brenna, I swear, one day I will. Um, I love the fact that since everyone who knows how to use the Pym Particle stuff is gone... 
that means there's now permanently just a giant fucking ant walking around everywhere. That's true. And playing with whatever kind of drum set that was in Scott's house. Really, really good at drums, my dude. Well, I mean, if you have to, I don't know, answer adaptable, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. One of my favorite ants. One of my favorite ant moments was because you always see like the ants doing normal. Which, by the way, why is fucking Hank Pym got such like a boner for ants? That's a good question. He's like, oh man, because they're they're yeah. the worst. I'm sorry, they're the worst. I currently have roughly eight ant bites on my leg right Dude, now me from too. Fourth of July. Um, well, I mean, I guess it's assumedly because they can lift like so much more than their body weight, and if you shrunk them up in size, it would maybe it escalate i don't know but i love my favorite scene other than baby scott <laughs> was when they first go into the office where they're building the quantum tunnel yeah and you see you see an ant crawl up to work on something and i'm like what the what the hell is the ant gonna do and then on one of its arms it just pulls out like a dewalt drill yes like, i remember that <laughs> And I lost it in the theater. Everyone else is like, why are you laughing? I'm like, that ant has a tiny drill. It's the best. <laughs> He's working. He's a working man. He's a working boy. Oh, man. And you know who else works, Brenna? Who works, Scotty? We work hard for the money. Da -da -da -da. Oh, God. We work hard for the money. Da -da. Isn't that a song about stripping? I, it well, it sounds like it. Well, I, I do this podcast without pants on, so that's basically stupid. Oh, my God. Um, so, and we we work hard for your money at patreon.com slash a load of BS. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Patreon.com slash a load of BS is the website where you can go and support the entire BS network, whether that be Fight Boys, a load of BS, Opposite Attractions, oh, and there's one other show called a fun fiction. We get access to our exclusive Discord. You get shouted out on a load of BS every single week. So make sure to head over to patreon.com slash a load of BS and donate whatever little bit you can. Now B What up? We've talked about we've talked about the movie. We've talked about how much we loved it. It's now time to get into the world of fan fiction, which was surprisingly light for Ant. It was, right? Well, did you have the same experience as me, which is I looked up Ant-Man and you found a shit ton of Avengers yes. stuff where Ant-Man was in the background? And that's not what I wanted at all. But let me tell you something else is that I thought, oh, you know, there might be some cute um, fan fiction with like Aunt, uh, Scott and Clint being like BFFs. But guess what? No, there's just slash fiction between Ant-Man and Hawkeye. And I'm like, I don't want that either. <laughs> I don't know. I think you do I, in, in the sleeping hours it comes to you. I, I'm not going to talk about that on this podcast, Scotty. <laughs> okay. Well, how about we talk about my fan fiction, which, by the way, I hope you didn't pick the same one as me because well, I just now realized we, did, we didn't have our weekly <laughs> pre-show. Okay, please make sure we didn't pick the same one. Here's the um, thing. But, I, I, I still haven't decided between the two that I found that I liked, so hopefully oh, okay. you did pick one of these so it help me, please. Okay. Well, mine is called Inappropriate Stuffed Rabbits. Damn it. I saw that one, but no. I, 
by Belgicuse. How the how do you pronounce that name? Girl. Okay. <clears throat> and it features Scott, Hope, and Cassie. What in the world is that? Hope's voice was down to a whisper. Oh shit. What in the world is that? No. <laughs> as she narrowed her as she narrowed her eyes at the stuffed animal that Cassie was currently clutching in her arms. She'd spent time with Scott's daughter a couple of times now, but, but she had thankfully never laid her eyes on her companion. Whoever had given her this toy must have either been blind or a man by the name of Scott Lang. <laughs> Said man was eyeing her much too innocently as he turned the lights off in the little girl's room. What's what? That thing your daughter is sleeping with. If you're referring to the rabbit, can I please ask you to rephrase that question? It's giving me horrible flash-forwards to Cassie as a teenager. I, I mean, not, not as a teenager. That'd be absurd. More like a late 20-something. Scott, stop rambling. You're starting to talk like Louise, Hope warned him, <laughs> exasperated but amused despite herself. And you're avoiding the question. The man in front of her only managed to shrug. She just likes it, okay? But why? She pressed, because seriously, Scott could be even more closed off than the safes he used to be crack. Well, not to brag, but probably because I gave it to her. He replied, a proud and all-too-adorable smile adorning his face. The brunette smiled back, asking slyly, You're not gonna let her take that to HQ tomorrow, though, right? Of course I am. Why not? Um, because they're going to think you're a psycho for giving her that. It's creepy as hell. She chuckled, shaking her head in disbelief. You haven't heard it speak, he mumbled, looking anywhere but at mm. her. Hope groaned. It talks? In a creepy murder voice, right? Scott was now picking imaginary lint from his sweater. Oh, God. This just kept getting worse. How had Maggie ever approved of that rabbit? When did you give this to her? Her last birthday. He answered, continuing, when he saw Hope's incredulous expression. But it has a meaning, you know. I have some taste. After all, I chose you, didn't I? He added, smirking like the goofball he was. Hope scoffed, but threw her arms around Scott's neck anyways. You wish. I chose you, Ant-Man. Scott's, hand Scott's hands came to a rest on her waist. Do you want to hear the story or what? Hope's lips curled up as she nodded encouragingly. When Cassie was still very young, and not an almost 20-something like she is now, when Maggie and I were still together, we decided to let her choose a pet for her birthday. Maggie insisted on getting one from an animal shelter, so we go there, and Cassie is running around the place, wanting every animal there, and then she spots this rabbit. He chuckled as he remembered the moment clearly, and the fondness in his eyes is obvious. I mean, you should have seen it. It was in a box full of those fluffy monsters, and she goes and picks the ugliest bunny in the entire shelter. Hope couldn't help but laugh at the indignation on his face. I'm not even kidding, he assured her. That rabbit was old. Had about ten different colors of fur and a chunk out of one ear. I remember Maggie and I looking at each other in horror as she held it up to us, beaming and exclaiming that this was the one she wanted. Maggie tried to persuade her for the next ten minutes, but I knew she wasn't going to give in. And that's how Elroy came to the Scott house. Turns out that the furball from hell also hissed at anyone that wasn't Cassie, hence the talking murder rabbit. Hope was still in a fit of giggles as Scott inched closer to her, eyes shining and roaming her face. She wiped a tear away and stepped forward as well, sobering slightly. I concede. That is a great story, Hope admitted, dropping a kiss on his cheek. What happened to Elroy? Scott's smile faltered and he sighed. He died when I was in prison, he told her, and Hope ran her fingers through his, the hair on the base of his neck in what she hoped to be a soothing manner. 
every day I regret not being here for Cassie. That evil bastard meant the world to her. They both smiled sadly, and once again, his regret shined through his words. You could say a lot of things about Scott Lang, but he would do anything for that little girl of his. Have to hand it to him, though. He went on, mirth returning to his voice. Elroy was a hundred-year-old rabbit, most likely. He had perseverance. Seems it runs in the family, Hope commented. Scott gave her a bashful smile in return, so instead of speaking, he closed the distance between them and kissed her urgently, which turned softer as the minutes passed. They both had to catch their breath when separated, Hope wiping a smudge of lipstick from Scott's lower thumb, th lower lip with her thumb. You're a pretty good dad, Scott Lang. And you're a pretty great woman, Hope Van Dyne. And girlfriend. She actually tipped her imaginary hat at him. God, she was turning into a dork just like <laughs> him. And pecked his, pecked his lips once more. But still, be prepared to deal with a huge amount of Avengers ridicule tomorrow. After that comment, Scott made an attempt to convince Cassie that maybe she'd get a new stuffed toy from the Avengers, but she resisted tooth and nail. I told you so, Hope. She gets her headstrong qualities from her mother. So Scott's daughter was still clutching Elroy too when they greeted the Avengers in New York the next afternoon. Scott's appearance in itself was an icebreaker as, she as he immediately got to tell them the story of how he kicked Falcon's at butt. And that led to a whole lot of war stories and mis mishaps, and soon everyone was mingling. Natasha, Maria, and Wanda were all over Cassie, as was Barton, surprisingly. Mm -hmm. And it certainly didn't escape Hope's attention now how B Bruce Banner kept looking at Natasha with a longing look in his eyes. Obviously, Tony's personality was the largest, but most of the time his fiance Pepper could rein him in. Glancing at Cassie, Scott could see her eyeing Tony curiously from where she was currently half-hidden behind him. He looked up and saw Pepper grinning at him, and in turn, she nudged her boyfriend next to her. Tony, I think you should say hi to someone, she told him, indicating Cassie with a subtle nod. Tony looked from Scott to his daughter and smiled, a genuine one instead of his usual smirk. He crouched down, crouched down and held out his hand. Hi, I'm Tony, or Iron Man, whichever you prefer. Cassie let go of her dad's hands to shake the billionaires. I'm Cassie Lang. Well, it's nice to meet you, Cassie Lang. So, uh, you're Ant-Man, huh? The little girl giggled and pointed up. No, my daddy is. Oh, sorry, my bad. You're my favorite Avenger! She blurted out, casting her eyes down quickly. Tony gasped, looking around the room. All right, all right, everybody hear that? I've got Cassie's stamp of approval. Why is Iron Man your favorite, sweetie? <laughs> Hope asked her, grinning widely. She'd heard the answer before, and she saw, shot Scott a smug smile as he narrowed her eyes, his eyes at her suspiciously. Cassie beamed. Because Iron Man doesn't have any powers, just like Daddy. Tony scoffed slightly, muttering. Great. She likes me because I'm average. Pepper, Pepper put her arm on his shoulder and looked at him sweetly. No, Tony. She likes you because you're simply human, and you still want to fight for the regular people in the streets. She's saying that you're just like the most important man in her life. Scott was grinning like a Cheshire cat as he lifted his daughter into his arms. That's my girl. Thanks, honey. Tony cleared his throat awkwardly and kissed Pepper's temple before walking over to Cassie again. Well, if you put it like that, you're right. I am the best one. <laughs> he joked, winking. But thanks, kiddo. You're welcome, Mr. Iron Man. Well, she has more manners than Tony does. Rody commented, making the others chuckle. Don't mind him. He's just jealous he's not your favorite. 
Tony countered, spotting the rabbit she was hiding behind. He fluffled its ears and pointed at it. Hey, I like your rabbit. It's very, uh, very out of the box. His name is Elroy, too, but most people think he's kind of weird. Ah, very regal name. You know, I gave Pepper here a giant rabbit that looked a lot like this last Christmas, and she thought it was weird, too. Really? Really. But she loves it now, right, Pepper? He asked her, turning around with an ex expectant expression. Pepper smiled brightly and winked at Cassie. Oh, yeah, definitely. And let me tell you, Cassie, even if other people don't, you know what it means to you. The little girl smiled proudly at her dad, and Scott was sure to was sure he would like being a part of this group. Clearly, they were all genuinely kind people. Quickly thereafter, Cassie's attention shifted to Mjolnir, and Scott introduced her to the rest of the team. Hope went to stand next to Pepper and smirked. So, Tony also has a penchant for giving his loved ones inappropriate stuffed rabbits? Yep. Ah, good to know Scott's not alone, then. Definitely not, but I love him anyway. Yeah. Me too. Hope agreed, fondly watching Scott with his daughter in his arms. Scott sat down next to Hope during a quiet moment where Cassie was occupied with all of her new friends. Right now, she was perched on Natasha's hip, both of them attempting to catch Elroy out of the air where Ma Wanda was moving him around with her powers. Hey, Hope acknowledged him, grabbing his hand and lacing their fingers. Hey, how you feeling? He asked, noticing her tired smile. I'm fine, Scott. It's just the day catching up with me. Hey, thanks for coming with me today. It means a lot. He admitted, pressing a kiss to her hand. You think I would have missed, passed up an opportunity to meet the Avengers? Yeah, probably not. He gave in, chuckling. But Hope squeezed his hand, and he knew that his message had been received. And hey, at least they didn't say anything about Elroy. They're bottling it up until Miss Cassie's not here. Oh, wait. Oh, shit. New character. Well Sorry. <laughs> <clears throat> I was just assuming it was between those two, so I was just swapping between the same kind of voice, but now new person. They're bottling it up until Miss Cassie's not here, Mr. Lang, I can assure you. The vision stated matter-of-factly in passing. Scott groaned when Hope laughed, and soon Cassie was bouncing over to him. Natasha's gonna teach me her flying move to take the bad guys out when I'm a little older, Daddy! Yay! She squealed, and Hope had to keep from laughing again at the fearful expression on Scott's, fe Scott's features. Maybe then you could teach me, okay? She supplied, earning a glare from the man next to her. That thigh thing might come in handy sometime, she added below her breath, winking at him. Oh god, you two are gonna be the death of me, Scott declared before his daughter started bouncing again. Daddy? Yeah, sweetie? Can I go talk to the pink man next? <sighs> Scott swallowed. What had he gotten himself into? Oh, I just now realized the pink man is Vision. Duh, <laughs> who did you think no, it was? I forgot Vision. Firstly, Vision's like purple, but I also well, forgot. Like magenta oh. or something. Also, also the end. Um, Yeah, oh. no, I, I read it earlier and I was like, who is the pink man? I'm still reading it because we'll figure out this mystery together. I'm like trying to think who, uh, who else, like, did... That was my question, Britta! I forgot Vision existed, so I was like, who is this mysterious pink man? Just because he died, Scotty, doesn't mean he's gone. <laughs> God. Also, I definitely think Elroy 2 also was taken out by Thanos. Probably, <laughs> unfortunately. 
I don't feel so good, Miss Cassie. And then oh, the fucking, shut up. The, the, bun, the bunny fades away. All right, that was my mine B. What's up? Okay, well, like I said, I have two that I can't decide between. I'll, I'll, I'm going to give you the titles, and you're going to pick one for me. Um, one is called I Thought It Was a Water Truck, and the other one is called The World's Greatest Storyteller. Um, I actually, I read a bit of uh, I Thought It Was a Water Truck, and I actually really liked that one. So, so we're going to do that one. Yes? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> So, I thought it was a water truck by uh, no, Kagatora no Sume, I think. What's with the names we have this time? Anyway. Okay. Scott, Hope asked cautiously, what are you doing? The man glanced up in surprise, a huge grin spreading across his face as he spotted her. Hope, hi, check out my tractor. The man was indeed perched on top of a large green tractor, bouncing in the seat with near childlike giddiness as he examined the dials on the dash. I can see it, she replied, glancing over the large piece of machinery with a raised eyebrow and trying to keep the fond amusement from ruining the stern tone in her voice. What is it doing on the front lawn? Oh, I'll get it out of the way in just a minute. I just needed to make sure the tank was full before I shrank it. And why exactly are you shrinking a tractor, she asked, crossing over to the large piece of machinery and stepping up on the running board to peek over the man's shoulder. Just in case. Just in case of what? You know, emergencies. She turned a bemused glance on the man, which he steadfastly ignored. What kind of emergency would require a tractor? I don't know, but it, I figure it's better to be safe than sorry. Scott, it'll be off the lawn in just a minute, I swear. And where exactly are you going to be keeping this tractor? Hope asked, slipping herself rather pointedly into the seat beside Scott, half in his lap. That particular move was quick to draw his attention from his new toy, and she blinked up at him in question as he turned his head, putting them all but nose to nose. On my keychain, with the rest of them. Hope hummed out a soft sound in acknowledgement, tucking her head beneath Scott's chin and snuggling herself more comfortably into his hold as he turned his attention to the machine once more. It made enough sense, she supposed. Her father kept a tank on his keychain, after all. But then what Scott had said really registered with her, and she twisted out of his grip to give him a pointed, if not slightly horrified, look. Hold on, back up a second. What do you mean the rest of them? And Scott, with the world's most self-satisfied, shit-eating grin fished a large, jangling key ring from his pants pocket and held it up for her to see. In utter shock, Hope reached out, gently taking hold of the little ring, her eyes on the dozens of miniature vehicles that were dangling from it. I've been working on my collection, he grinned at her before returning his attention to the gauges on the tractor. Aren't they cool? Hope carefully began to sort through the shrunken items, lips parted in shock. There were about a half a dozen cars, something that looked rather like a riding lawnmower, a speedboat, a steamroller, a golf cart, some sort of tunneling machine, a bus, and a couple tankers. There was even a damn Ferrari on there. But the one that really caught her attention was tucked behind the cars. Is this a plane? She asked him in mild horror. Yep, Scott grinned, turning some dial on the tractor. 747. Where the hell did you get a plane? Um, around? Scott, I swear to God, if you're the person I've been seeing news reports about for the past week, I didn't steal them. You didn't? Well, I mean, I took them without really asking, but I paid for them. Kind of. <laughs> the man trailed off sheepishly, and Hope pinched the bridge of her nose between her fingers in exasperation. And what exactly are you going to do if they arrest you again? If they throw you in jail? That's why I got the drilling rig. Scott. 
Hope, I promise I'm being careful about this, he soothed, catching her hands in his and slipping the key ring back into his pocket before giving her delicate fingers a little squeeze. If I get myself arrested again, you have permission to kick my ass for it. Hope let out a weak little scoff, like I ever need your permission for that. In reply, the man gave her a blinding grin. So are you going to help me shrink this tractor or what? Hope shook her head at the man with an exasperated sigh. All right, just make it quick so I don't have to explain this to my father. And then there's a time jump. Scott stumbled behind the wheel of one of the airplanes to get some cover, wincing as he rubbed at the blossoming bruises from the Black Widow's punches. Hope really had been taking it easy on him in training because she never hit him this hard. Out on the tarmac, he could see the archer and the little witch in the distance facing off against Iron Man together as the girl, as the girl used her powers to pile cars on top of Stark's suit. He would have to try and remember to get Maximoff's signature or something for Cassie before they parted ways. His daughter would never forgive him if he, if he met her favorite Avenger and came back empty-handed. Scott let out a slow breath, trying to collect himself before jumping back into the fight, his eyes searching for nearby teammates. It took only a second to pinpoint the captain. It really was Captain America. He couldn't believe it. Cornered by a war machine and the panther guy. Scott frowned a little, trying to figure out... <laughs> Hold on, no, no, first off, how dare you? I didn't write this, so I don't know. Um, Scott- Wakanda forever! Oh, God. Scott frowned a little, trying to figure out how to approach the situation. He couldn't exactly punch the armored man, and he really wasn't strong enough to take him head on either. He might be able to take the panther guy, but Cap looked like he was handling him pretty well all in all. <laughs> handling him pretty well all all on his own, and for a split second, Scott wished that Maximoff was over here to deal with the guy in power armor by throwing a car at him or something. And then he remembered his keychain. Scrambling to get, dig his keys out of the suit, he fumbled through his collection for a long second, trying to pick a vehicle that he would likely not, no, that he would likely would not wind up needing later, something that he would, or... <laughs> that, was, that was a rough sentence. I know. <laughs> Trying to pick a vehicle that he likely would not wind up needing later, the drill, or something that he would hate himself forever for destroying, the Lamborghini, and wound up with one of the tanker trucks in his palm. This one he'd gotten from beside the construction site for a new pool facility in his neighborhood, and hadn't even bothered empty emptying the back before shrinking it. The slosh of liquid at that scale couldn't really be felt anyhow, not with half a dozen other things dangling from the ring. Scott grinned down at the little truck, a plan forming in his head. This would work just fine. Scott quickly detached the vehicle, stuffing his key ring back into his pocket and running toward Captain America as he dug out one of the growing discs. Hey, Cap, heads up, he called, tossing the tanker to the man. Captain Rogers caught it, glancing down in confusion as Scott held up the little disc. Throw it at, throw it at this, he instructed with a grin, turning to where the Black Widow, War Machine, and the Panther guy were all preparing to converge on the two of them. Scott reeled his arm back, aimed, and tossed the disc up into the air. Now, Captain America threw the tank, hitting the disc midair, and Scott watched in glee as the truck grew back to its normal size, sending the Widow and the Panther guy scattering as War Machine shouted, Oh, come on! <laughs> but, but his plan didn't work as intended. Scott could only watch in shock as the vehicle hit the ground and tore open, sending billowing clouds of flame into the air as the liquid inside of it, not water, not water at all, caught fire. It rolled end over nose, screeching to a stop in a flaming heap, and Scott felt a prickling, embarrassed heat start up at the base of his neck. 
Aw, man, I thought it was a water truck, he breathed. The captain turned a somewhat scolding look on him, and Scott was rather thankful for the mask that hid his bright red face as he stuttered out, Um, sorry. The two of them turned and ran before War Machine could get his feet back beneath him, Scott following at the captain's heels as he led the way toward the jet. And Scott promised himself that the minute he got home, he was going to double-check every one of those vehicles on his keychain and color-code them with tape. The end. I love it. I love it because it's not just fan fiction. It's also like this Rosencrantz and Guildenstern peek behind the Right? Curtain. Those are my <laughs> favorite kind. Yeah, I really enjoyed it a lot. Also, um, when was this written before they started writing Ant-Man and the Wasp? Because I, I love to think that this inspired the Hot Wheels thing full of cars. I know, right? That's what I was thinking too, reading it. But uh, where's the date on here? Yeah, it was written August 26, 2017. So, yeah. Yeah. They, pro- they probably had started at that point. I wonder uh, yeah. if the person that wrote this didn't know. I don't know how they wouldn't know Black Panther, but maybe they didn't know like his actual name. No, but... I think they knew it. I think it was a mocking thing. It was okay. like it was it was like from Scott's perspective. Also, we didn't talk about this, but this movie it really got into how many things you could just shrink and make bigger. They were like, let's just use this technology for everything. Well, yeah, why not? You know, if you have it, use it. If you got it, flaunt it. Mm-hmm. That's right. And you know what I want to flaunt right now, Brenna? I know exactly what you want to flaunt. I want to flaunt all of our lovely shirts over at merch.aloadofpurebs.com. That's where you can get merch for all your favorite BS Network shows, including fun fiction we got three shirts over there i'm trying to get us a new one but brenna was very very thought it was a problematic idea and you know what if you guys saw it you would too well it might have been me drawing baby hitler but he looked like baby herman and it said stay away from baby hitler which, which you, you know... may or may not know is the unofficial catchphrase for this show <laughs> I was like, it's our catchphrase, so let's just put it on a shirt. Oh, no one will have weird. If you're just walking down the street <laughs> with a picture of baby Hitler on your shirt, hence why it's problematic. But now, if we I wait, like the one that Garen said that there's a uncut version of Deadpool two that's going to come out, and he thinks that the baby Hitler scene is going to be in it oh shit yes awesome um yeah i mean i feel like the problematic one was the one with baby hitler and it just, just said, said stay, stay away. away yeah that one was yeah <laughs> because it made I it look that- like you were telling people to stay away from you because you were hitler you were ba- or your you were baby ba- was you hitler yeah yeah oh man so b um i think we're gonna this week we're going to go back to our roots because I didn't write out my fan fiction because I realized if I did, it would be easily like 5,000 plus words. Like this is going, this would be an intense story to try to tell. And so I got home, I tried to start writing it, but I realized like it would take too long. And I told you earlier that (laughs) I'm so sorry. It's not about (laughs) Ant-Man. I need or the wasp. I need everyone that listens to this podcast to know that any time that Scotty says he's sorry, he means the direct opposite of that. 
Yeah. Well, I wanted... There was a line in this movie that set my mind going, and I won't reveal the line. You will know it after we get into the character. And it's about a character from this film. I'm gonna kill you. I'm sorry. And it's 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 not Cassie, it's not anybody... But this, Brenna, is the story of a man. Mm -hmm. A man who he was a loving husband. He was a tremendous soldier. One of the best damn drivers that the world ever knew. This is the story of Stan Lee. Oh, Lord. So, <laughs> so to begin the story, Brenna, we gotta go back a ways. We gotta go back to, like, the advent of World War One where a 30-year-old Stan Lee worked as a scout for the American Army. He went into, like, what, what his job was was to infiltrate, like, enemy camps, figure out what's going on, see about, you know, everything that was happening, and provide the intel, and he was a damn good at this job. He was, he could memorize everything, he could figure out everything that was going on, and promote it back. And so he was so good that when World War II came along, he was promoted to be a general. And uh, I then realized that he would be called General Lee, which was problematic, but it's okay. Mm. And so, like, he was such a good general. He would command his troops with, like, power and grace. The people, they wouldn't write home about how much they missed their families. They'd write home about how much they were going to miss General Lee when the fucking war was over. They loved this guy. And this also is how we uh, get into the fact that he was in the first Captain America as a general for Noah Perry, I think in the 30s as well. So this is the first cameo that this happens during. Um, now, during the war, he also spent a lot of time writing, uh, writing back home to his wife, Joan. And this is where things get problematic because Stan Lee's actual wife's name is Joan and I feel bad about this. No, you don't. Uh, I I do though. This one I actually feel a little bit bad about because he sends her all these letters and soon he stops getting any post back and he's not really sure what's going on. He gets back to home after the war, enters his house, and he just sees this massive pile of letters waiting in front of his door. Mm. And he calls the local hospital only to find out that Joan died while he was out due to heart complications which may or may not be how Stanley's actual wife died, and I feel so bad about this Oh my god, you don't! Guy. Why are you doing this? I do feel bad about it, because I, I wanted his wife to die, what? and then I looked it up, and I... I not, not wanted to! I just meant, like, storytelling-wise! And so Stan, like, gets mad at the hospital for not, like, sending anything off to the general to let him know, but he knows it's, like, too late. And so he kind of just becomes a hermit and he stays, he keeps like training because like, that's all he knew was like, I have to be bigger and better. I've got to be the best until one day he's out for a jog and his knee like buckles underneath him and he falls and he like crack, he doesn't crack his back, but his back is like severely injured. And so he goes to the doctor to have it checked out. His leg is put in a cast and the doctor tells him you have a severe bone De degenerative disease like your bones are literally powdering as we speak they're falling apart and there's no way you're coming back from this like you are out there's no way you're gonna come back from this we're so sorry we know how much you love like your jogs and your travel but you can't anymore 
And Stan's like, no, I refuse to accept. I refuse to accept this. And so he literally just rehabs intensely to make sure he can get back to what he's doing. But every single time he goes back to the doctor, the doctor's like, yeah, nah, dog. There's nothing you can do. It's still everything just keeps getting worse and worse for him until one day he is approached by a young man in a sharp suit. He knew him from when he worked for the Allies in the war, but he's now taken on a different job. And he looks at Stan. He's just like, you know, there's still hope, right? There's no hope for me, son. I'm sorry. There's nothing. He goes, no, no, no. Do you know about Project Rebirth? What? And with that, Stan Lee is taken into Project Rebirth, the the super soldier serum creating thing that eventually would give Captain America his powers. But Stan Lee is one of the first people to ever go through this. So they're still working on the serum, but they need human testing. And they give the serum to Stan. And as soon as he gets out of the pod, after getting through everything, he just passes out on the floor and he's gone. Like, and he wakes up in his bed at home. Like, he went through all of that horror, that terrifying experience of getting the serum, and he goes home and he doesn't feel younger. He doesn't feel stronger or anything. He kind of feels the same. And so he goes about this day the exact same. He also, he finds a card on his nightstand that just says like, tell nobody about this, please. <laughs> um, and so he goes to rehab and he starts going back to the doctor and the doctor's like, this is amazing. You're, it appears that the it's not getting worse anymore. It doesn't appear to be reversing itself, but your bones are where they are. And he's like, oh, okay. And basically what's happened is Stan's body is frozen in this state. So he his body is no longer getting worse, but it's also not getting better. So unfortunately, Stan is now forced to live in like this constant pain that he knows isn't getting better, but also will not get worse to a point that is going to kill him. So to Stan, he's like, the serum didn't do anything. My body just decided like, it's done. And now I'm stuck in this pain constantly. And so he has to walk on this cane and it's very, very sad. And he's walking around everywhere. And then one day he's invited to go to the press conference to announce like, we the super serum it's worked look captain america he's here and stan of course during it is trying to be in good spirits but when he goes home he just breaks down because he's just like why couldn't that have been me why could i have not been the one that this worked on why am i forced to live like this for the rest of my life and the next day one of his old war buddies stops by, which his war buddies came by all the time, and he would just immediately be like, get out. But this time, he they come in, and they find Stan's body, and it is hanging. Jesus Christ, from... Scotty. Well, hold on. <laughs> and he br- the, the war guy just walks over and like, Stan, why would you? And then, then you just hear, yeah, I've been up here for a while. Kind of sucks, actually. Uh, Can you help me get down from here? And it's not killed Stan. Not only did the super serum stop the bone degeneration, it stopped death from coming to Stan Lee. 
So, like, he tries a few more times to end it, and it doesn't work. Nothing Stan can do can end his life. He is now an eternal man, but he is forced to live in this horror and in this pain. And he just kind of is forced to watch as the world leaves him behind through all of this. He's in constant pain. And in, once the 60s runs around, and let me put it this way, the line, uh, the 60s were fun, but I'm paying for it now. Right. That spawned this whole fan fiction. And so once the 60s rolls around, a, a little drug known as marijuana, marijuana comes to the States. Marijuana. And so it's the only thing that gives Stan any respite. He's just like, all right, this is this ain't half bad, I guess. And so he starts to do drugs and he eventually he starts running out of money and he becomes a drug lord. It's a real Breaking Bad situation where he starts selling drugs in order to uh, help pay for his stuff and pay for his uh, home and everything. Um, but unfortunately, this also has led to the FBI coming after Homeboy because he is, in fact, a drug dealer. So, so far in this Stan Lee fan fiction, we have suicide. Failed suicide, drug dealing, <laughs> killing his wife. But it's okay. Is it? Uh, I don't know. So anyway, Stanley ends up in the desert smoking peyote. Because <laughs> why not? And he he goes to like well, Woodstock and drops acid. And kind of wanders out into the desert. I don't know if Woodstock was near a desert. But he goes out in the desert. And... He looks up into the sky and he kind of has this hallucination where he sees like these three figures standing over him and they've got these massive foreheads, they're balding, and one <laughs> looks at the other and is just like, this one, why not? He's an anomaly. He seems to live forever. This is astounding. And another one just goes, no. Terra is not important enough for a scout. Why would you do this? Especially a drug addict like him. Please, we need someone down here. Someone to tell us what's happening. And so Stan just like kind of is staring up and he can't react because he's just so high. <laughs> and uh, finally they just go, no, we're leaving now. And Stan sees them walk off into the desert and fade away. And then he passes out and he wakes up a few hours later and he is surrounded by FBI agents who have finally tracked him down and have sent him to prison. And Stan is now forced to spend the next 30 years in a maximum security prison. He is now, he's in pain. He's in, in prison. Everything goes wrong until one day they say, you know, you could probably lessen your sentence if you do some community service. And Stan goes out and he starts picking up garbage and picking up trash. And at first he got like people mocking him, like saying like, you, you know, hey, trash boy, picking stuff up. Like, but then there are certain people who are stopping and saying, wow, this is so kind of you. We, we think of inmates as these terrible people, but it's really astounding what you're doing. Thank you so much. And it gives Stan almost like this sense of pride that he hadn't felt since he was in the war a pride of what he's doing and he so he starts to continue to do this even even when they're like you know this isn't gonna let us in your sentence he's like ah but i still want to help and so he keeps helping and his what was going to be a life sentence uh gets down to 30 30 years and so he's released around like 1999 roughly 
out of uh out for good behavior but he is unfortunately unable to leave the state of california hold on wait where was fucking woodstock at oh my god uh fuck it california he is not able to leave the state of california i already had to do a lot of research to figure out how to make this all-encompassing stanley cameo thing um and so he gets out he can't leave california and it's really hard to get a job if you've been in jail for 30 years but he gets one as a pizza delivery driver and that pride that he felt for picking up trash that starts to get better as like he delivers pizza to people which once seemed like a very demeaning job to him but he would like deliver pizzas to people and they'd be like oh my god thank you so much we have been starving for hours we're so happy this has gotten here and it gives him pride of his work he's getting pride for just delivering pizza and it leads to him doing other things he delivers for ups for a while he drives 18 wheelers he he becomes kind of just this delivery man and so this all continues until one day in around 2008 2007 somewhere around there gets a call from one of his old drug dealing friends about one last job in vegas and unfortunately stan is kind of also as as much as he loves his job he's fallen on hard times a little bit and he realizes that this this one last deal this one last drug deal it could set him up for life this could set him up for the rest of his indefinitely long life and so he tries his best to talk himself out of it but finally the greed kind of gets the best of him he goes fine fine i'll do it i'll be there and so uh, he go- flies out to – doesn't fly. He drives out to Vegas, and he's trying his best to keep a low profile. And he he goes and meets all these celebrities in the casino. He sees this one uh, genius uh, billionaire playboy philanthropist mm-hmm. around there for a few. Uh, and – but then in the a brief moment, he looks over, and he sees an FBI agent, and his friend is pointing at him. And he realizes that his friend has now essentially turned his back on him in order to get the money for turning him in. And so Stan is forced to escape. And so he rushes out and he boards a train and he ends up boarding the train and going across state lines. And he ends up in, um, hold on this. I'm now, now it's where I'm actually having to put in cameos. And explaining them, but essentially in the Incredible Hulk, I think he's like in West Virginia or something, wherever he is in the Incredible Hulk cameo that he makes. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, that one. He ends up there and he arrives at this small hotel, goes to a gas station, grabs some food, and he grabs a drink, which is a certain Guarana drink, which had been infected with the blood of Bruce Banner. Dun dun dun. And a dun dun dun. And this gives him horrible gamma poisoning i thought you were about to say this gives him horrible gas and i was like yeah (laughs) that that too and essentially the gamma poisoning starts to revert everything that the uh super serum was doing to him in other words now he feels his body start to deteriorate he feels himself start to fall over and die and uh he wakes up the next day and he's hospitalized and he looks he turns on the tv and he sees the news and on the news is his face 
and he realizes that means the FBI can triangulate his exact location. In fact, he looks out the window and he sees numerous FBI cars surrounding it. And he just kind of resigns himself to the fact that it's over. He resigns himself to the fact that with the gamma poisoning, he would be dead soon, but he would at least be with his wife again. And then he passes out and he looks up and he sees three familiar faces, three faces that he thought were a hallucination in the desert a long time ago. And they look at him and he goes, what am I doing here? Well, Mr. Lee, we we're here to make you a deal. We have healed your body. We have stopped the gamma gamma poisoning from destroying your cells at which point stan kind of seems upset he's like why why it was almost over for me i've been waiting for that moment for a very long time and he goes mr lee calm down we understand that in your time you were once a great scout and in our line of work we could use I guess a scout, as you would call it. We could use someone watching over your Earth. Many interesting things are about to be set in motion, Mr. Lee. With the advent of the Iron Man, with the advent of uh, this hulking creature, this could all possibly be leading to something astounding, and we need eyes on Terra, or, I'm sorry, Earth, as you would call it. What are you asking? We're asking for you to be our eyes. We are asking for you to go to Earth, and we will wipe the memories of all of those agents that were looking for you. Every sin that you've committed would be erased from your record, and your job would be to watch and tell us everything that happens. Why? That is not... Something that you need to worry about, Mr. Lee. Your job is to be a scout. Can you be a scout? And Stan just kind of sits there and thinks about it for a few. And then he just slowly nods his head, yes. And he says, yes, I can. And he's returned back to Earth where he then, for the next few years, gets to go on numerous adventures across the world still maintaining his career as a driver either as a bus driver or even one time he was a uh, a man working at a strip club all of these numerous things in fact one time they even the watchers even give him command after a particularly impressive an impressive scouting mission where mr lee was able to literally discuss the entire avengers battle the battle of new york he was able to get all of that while playing chess in central park and with that impress that impressive uh resume underneath his underneath his belt they then send him on another mission to a world called xandar where he was to uh report on the actions of the guardians of the galaxy and Stan would then go on to report on numerous other adventures, the adventures of Spider-Man, the adventures of uh, the Ant-Man, in fact. <laughs> in fact, um, one day, one day he, uh, he gets a report that all of his watching is about to come to a head. And he is sent to go watch over Peter Parker, also known as Spider-Man, drive him to school, 
and see what happens next. And Stan does so. He he drives Peter to school and notices in the rear view as Peter transforms into Spider-Man and flies off into New York to fight an intense battle. And Stan follows him until se seemingly he's taken away from the Earth on a massive spaceship. And so Stan ducks away into a nearby corner and says, What do I do next? Are you guys going to take me somewhere or where do I go? But he gets no response. For once in his life, he gets no response from the Watchers. They are completely and totally silent. And so instead, Stan decides to do what he does best. Find something new. And so uh, he was originally just going to uh, go and find a nice pizza place or have a, have a vacation. But instead, he notices that Scott Lang has gotten back into action as the Ant-Man. And so he decides to trail Scott and feel what was going on in his adventures. And then suddenly, after all of what happened to Ant-Man, after seeing the, uh, the quantum tunnel and all of that, Stan sits back at Central Park. And he sits at a familiar chessboard waiting for someone to come and face him. And then he looks up. And he sees a person slowly fade away and their entire body turn to dust as it blows away in the wind. Stan looks over and he sees a taxi cab crash into a uh, nearby building and go up in flame as more dust begins to fly out. He sees chaos around him. And then he looks down at his hand. Hmm and his hand is slowly dissolving into that dust. And he smiles. He smiles as he looks up to the sky and he says, I'm coming home, Joni. And he smiles and announces, Excelsior! <laughs> the end. You are a piece <laughs> of work, my friend. I just, I want, I remember just sitting there and being like, well, I want to explain all of the Stan Lee cameos, which up until, well, a lot of, I wanted to do the MCU cameos because once you get into the other, like X-Men and Deadpool and all that, that's when I was like, that's going to get confusing. Yeah. Also, I, I did read a very fun, and by fun, I mean horrifying little announcement on a, uh, because I was looking up, does Stan Lee die after Thanos snaps his fingers? And someone was like, well, the next movie to come out was Deadpool 2. And there's not a Stan Lee cameo in Deadpool 2. And then I just started crying. <laughs> oh my god. Um, but yeah, that's my fan fiction. I want to flesh it out a little bit because I really do love this concept of Stan Lee going through almost like his own Logan-esque adventure. Right. Also, I really love, uh, I love the concept that Stanley, the 65-year-old old man, is getting high at Woodstock and doing acid in the desert. I love that your voice for Stanley is basically Brady's voice <laughs> that you do for Quizzlecorp. Oh, yeah, my Quizzlecorp voice. No, Brady's more up here, and then Stanley is here. 
Excelsior. Oh, okay. There's a, there's well, a <laughs> it was very similar. <laughs> All right. Well, Brenna, it's been an episode. I killed Stanley after get when i feel like i have to how many times do you have to punish me scotty i killed your dad once that's it just once i feel like it was a rewarding story though i feel like stan he was going through this life and he thought everything was going bad and then slowly he starts to rebuild it and then once he was happy to leave he left it was fine you scarlet witched him scotty (laughs) okay (sighs) all right so b where can they find you on the internet well, I suppose you can look me up on Twitter and Instagram at Brennasaur, B-R-E-N-N-A-S-A-U-R. That's right. And you can find me on Twitter at Scotty Mo. That's S-E-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O. And make sure to buy all my books on Amazon. Queasel Corp. All three of them are out. BS versus the gods. All those fantastic books. And of course, make sure to go to a load of purebs.com and check out the other BS Network programs. If you like pro wrestling, check out Fight Boys. If you like theme parks, opposite attractions. If you like two dudes being assholes for an hour, check out a load <laughs> of BS. And of course, ladies and gentlemen, make sure to rate and subscribe on iTunes. Every single little bit helps. Also, if you guys found us through me posting on the Adventure Zone subreddit, what's up, guys? Hi, and welcome! <laughs> Thanks for all the views. That was so many views. Oh, my God. Uh, I actually just looked a few minutes ago, and it's at 147, and I'm like, uh, damn. damn my pe- also, I posted on the Harry Potter fun- fanfiction reddit guess what it ain't done shit it ain't done shit so adventure zone y'all know where it's at what's up uh, that means we're getting an episode two what up yeah, yeah, that's right but i'll also make sure to uh make sure to find us on facebook get all those fantastic things oh yeah and until next time stay away from baby hitler uh, oh wait brenna brenna <laughs> what what i forgot what? This is a Marvel movie we did. That oh, means, is there an extra credit scene? That means there's an end credit scene. Okay. What is this scene? Well, it's the three watchers on their home. Oh, planet, God. <laughs> and they are just all, they are almost crying at Thanos' attack. Of course, they're immortal, so they were a little bit fine with it. And then suddenly they look up and they see this dust cloud float around them and then slowly come to a stop in front of them and it slowly starts to reform (gasps) it reforms into a man's body with with beautiful gray hair and fancy sunglasses and his it goes from the legs up it slowly rebuilds as they all circle around him And he looks up at them and says, This ain't over yet.